Welcome to Mums on Cloud9. I'm Heather Black, a champion for women in tech and founder of Supermums, a global brand supporting mums to develop a career in the Salesforce ecosystem. My podcast aims to inspire and support mums to develop a flexible, well-paid, successful career in the tech sector. On the show, we share top tips, insight and inspirational stories from women who've carved out a great career, as well as talk to experts and employers who champion diversity and gender equality. During series three, we're teaching women how to be bold and proud in pursuing their career ambitions by sharing top tips and expertise from a range of experts on the show. This week, I'm delighted to be speaking to Dale Bamford, who is the Chief Customer Officer of the 10th Revolution Group. We're going to be talking about how employers can support employees with great benefits in the workplace. So if you're an employee listening today, then please do feed this back to your employer and suggest to them some great ideas. But if you're an employer, think about how you can really support people right now to prosper in the workplace. Dal, welcome to the show. Please do introduce yourself. It's fantastic to have you here today. Heather, it's fantastic to be here and thank you for inviting me on the podcast today. So who am I? Well, I've worked in tech without disclosing my age uh, in customer and sales roles for about 20 years. Um, As you said, I'm currently the Chief Customer Officer and Board Member at at 10th Revolution Group. And uh, seven months in, the role is really kind of uniting, you know, things that I'm really, really super passionate about, which is customer centricity, technology and talent planning. Um, Because as we both well know, at the heart of talent planning for all companies of all sizes is diversity. It's one of the the core superpowers of Supermums. It's how I met you as an organization. Um, And, you know, it's it's something that, you know, this role I get to combine to do, you know, with initiatives like Supermums, like Revelant, like Black Interns. It's really this is how do we continue to bring these talent conversations to the forefront of every business that we work with. Absolutely. So, no, it's really great because in the same space, you know, it's all about harnessing new talent, making them feel empowered and achieving their career goals. It's certainly a very rewarding job, isn't it, what we do? Um, Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> you were just telling me how you're lo- you're loving your new role seven months in. Um, and so talk to us a bit about you know, how you feel empowered in your job role. What benefits do you experience um, where you work right now? Do you know what? This was a really interesting question. And I was talking to, to someone on my team and they thought the word empowered was really interesting to use in terms of, you know, uh, do we as women how do we feel empowered and why is this why why is it a word we even use it's really really fascinating but Mm. when I thought about it you know empowered for me comes from uh, uh, it comes from feeling supported being seen and and celebrated for the different ways that I think or the different perspectives that I that I bring to the table Um, and when I look back at my career and moments of feeling empowered there are a few key moments of which, you know, leadership, mentorship really played a key part. And I think the thing is, empowerment, is, you know, as much as people say empowerment comes from within, a degree of it does. But, you know, I equally think it's really intrinsic upon the leaders and other people in the business to build a culture where people feel empowered. And I'm fortunate that I've worked with leaders and in businesses where this has been the case. Well, that's so true, isn't it? That's a really great conversation. And I think it's it's one thing that is a takeaway from this today is go and have that conversation with women in your workplace, like what makes them feel empowered, because it might be different for different workplaces. And, I, you know, everything you said about being open and about being, you know, being able to bring yourself and 
be accepted as a mum you know as a woman at work with things in the family and somebody else said to me around um I was talking to somebody the other day and you know sharing personal things it said it's so great to be able to talk about those things at work and not feel like you have to hide them away um and you know to be open and honest with each other so what do you think can be done to empower more women specifically at work from what you've seen and, and heard do you know, do you know, Heather, I think, I again, I've given, I've given some of these topics real thought. And when I think about the subject of women at work, there's two specific demographics that I, that continue to kind of fall top of mind. And I think there are two demographics that workplaces really need to focus on. And they're two very distinct ones. Um, I think, first of all, there needs to be more openness and support and career planning for women who are considering to start families. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you know, we talk about openness at work and being able to bring yourself to work. Well, how many women will come to the table and tell their manager they're talking about that? You know, they're thinking about starting a family. Now, um, you could argue, well, that's private information that someone doesn't want to share. But actually, given the statistics around how many women we lose from the workforce at these critical junctures, you know, not having the conversation is no longer an option because we have to engage in this conversation. People are going to have families if that's what they wish they need to do. So the, the onus is intrinsic on, on the employers to say, okay, well, how do we support you? And not only how do we support you on this, on this journey of yours, but actively ensure that if you want to return and you, uh, what does that look like and how do we support your return into the workplace? And I think the other demographic, let's talk about openness, is women's health. Um, I read a fascinating report in the Financial Times um, uh, around the menopause. Mm -hmm. The Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development have said that women over 50 are now the fastest growing segment of the workforce. So, and yet very little conversations are had around the menopause. And by 2025, it's estimated 1 billion women will be there. And yet, I, there are no conversations in any workplace around the wellness of how do we support that employee workforce. So I think there needs to be more openness. And I think bluntly, we need to start having discussions around the elephants in the room that we're not having. Yeah, two really great topics. Absolutely. And, you know, just pings some ideas in my mind. I mean, I was I was speaking to somebody and um, about a company she works for and they hired somebody who was pregnant, you know, because they recognised what talent she brought to the table and absolutely wanted her to come and work for them, but they were willing to wait nine months. And I think that's what you've got to like, you know, that's the kind of mindset that you want to be in, isn't it? Like I understand there's skill shortages and maybe you need people right now. Like I do understand there's business requirements as well, but recognising that and and absolutely, you know, we've, we've experienced things around the menopause and the workplace, you know, I've seen that firsthand as well. And there's more that has to be done there to build awareness, to understand that it's another big life change, isn't it? And there's things that need to be um, taken on board there for employers. So, yeah, two really great topics. Um, And so some of these challenges, I mean, those challenges you've talked about, about having a family, um, going through menopause. Obviously, we've got the homeschooling right now, which hopefully will come to a pause at some point. but there's loads of things that we've been tackling with and, and some women feel, you know, shy or maybe shy is not the right word, but, you know, are scared of asking for flexibility, are scared of not being able to fulfill their job right now. 
um, can you share some challenges that you've seen or heard and any advice that you could give to people to help overcome them? Yeah, I think, do you know what? I think that that's a, that's a really good point about feeling scared because, you know, this ties back into, you know, uh, people not being prepared to have conversations around the fact that they might want to take a step back or a less stressful role because they're actively trying for a, for a baby. Um, mm. And the reality of the situation is, you know, we, it's imperative on leadership and anyone in a leadership position to not equate these sorts of um, conversations with ambition. You know, there's intrinsic thought and connection that, well, if someone says, I want flexibility, or if someone says, well, I, you know, I want to take the foot off the gas slightly, you're no longer ambitious. And I, and I just think that's a misnomer. I think, well, no, people are going through a particular step change in their life. And you know, we are, we are humans, we're not robots, we have lives, we have emotions, you know, we're focusing today on, on parents and, and, and mums specifically, but equally the flip side, there's women who have a lot of care duties towards their parents or other people in the families. And, you know, life and work merge and we need to support people around these conversations. Now, what tips and tricks, you know, um, exist? I think, I think we all need to be brave. I think that we have to find that voice um, and bring some of these conversations to the table. And I suppose there's an element of a, of a wing and a prayer in there in hoping that the employer that you're, you're dealing with is open and receptive to those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, think it's a, I think it's, you know, I think, it, I think we're in very unprecedented and difficult times. And, and the flip is, I hope that that's now resulted in more flexibility and openness around these. No, absolutely. And that ambition is interesting because I think a lot of women feel like if they want flexibility, they can't have a career. They'll just do a job. And, they, you know, that, you know, they get stuck in there and say, well, I can't go for something more ambitious or maybe a leadership role if they want to go into that because it would take too much time away from them. So what I've been doing with Supermums is trying to break down those barriers and stigma to say you can have a flexible, well-paid career and you can achieve that. But obviously just being mindful of where you want to um, focus your your energy so what we want to be thinking about is how do we empower women to have these conversations to feel confident to have them and and how do we open that door so as a parent yourself and, and I've seen some of the research that the Frank group has done what are the different ways that employers can support mums and what benefits can they give them what have you identified in some of that research that you think we could sort of encourage some new ideas yeah, I think, you know what, I think, uh, you know, I look at, I look at this role as, as sort of parents, and what are what are clear actions that companies can do to actively help parents manage their world? And I sort of, I've given sort of three clear takeaways, that I think are in every company's power to do something about um, parental leave. Um, are companies encouraging, and this is obviously where relevant that there are two parents in a, in a family, but are they encouraging that both parents take full parental leave? are leaders leading by example. So for example, at Salesforce, you know, when, when equal parental leave came in for both fathers and mothers, you know, there was a very, very clear message that came from the leadership, the top down, that said, you know, fathers, please also step away and use your parental leave. Okay. And I think, you know, I think it's really, really important that, you know, it, that these cultures, whilst the, the, the provision has come in and the laws have come in for some country, 
does the culture exist whereby it's actively encouraged that that takes mm. place? And I think that there's a policy and there's a culture and the two need to come together. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody can have policies, but not practice. Absolutely. Policies. We can have all the policies in the world. We can, you know, we can see, we can, we can put out all the statistics about how more diverse boards make successful companies. And yet I look at the statistics coming out on the, on the FTSE 100 and the 250 boards, and I'm still shaking my head some 10 years later saying, how have we not solved this? Mm. So, you know, that the, and, and that, you know, that's the cultural mindset clearly that needs to have a shift that needs to happen there um child care benefits this is something actually that that i i raised at salesforce at the time you know parents have child care emergencies and in an ideal world we'd like to cancel work and you know if our child's ill stay at home but that's not always um that's not always something an option available to us so you know, corporations join the schemes that allow parents access to emergency childcare and emergency nannies, pre-vetted, available, you know, within X amount of time. And those services exist out there. So recognize that, recognize the burden that parents have got and, and put something in place to help. And, and this last one is actually a real bugbear of mine. And it, and it used to drive me um, nuts, for want of a better word, when my children, especially when they were younger, company networking. Stop making these evening events. Stop, you know, we all know as much as there are policies and promotion policies and career paths and, you know, that, you know, processes, we all also know that some of the real career conversations and the relationships that get built are after hours in the pub. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, if that culture remains prevalent, you're essentially saying to a parent, um, choose choose before you know going out for a glass of wine or a beer after work with your colleagues or getting back home to put your kids to bed and so yeah. I and I, I and I would actually say and I would actually actively say this to people I work with switch more things to company hours switch it to lunch hours you know why why does everything have to be after work and then just remove that that simple barrier and I know it sounds really small but when you're it's something I really distinctly felt and I rubbed up against especially when, like as I say when my children were younger mm. no I agree and the golf course right <laughs> that's another common place <laughs> I'm starting to play again I'm starting yeah. to, you know yeah I mean not to say women will play golf but you know it's more the minority for sure and um, I think the other thing I and mean, people might think all oh, these are big companies that can do this but I mean we we have or we were using um busy bee benefits um as part of our child care benefits and they had an emergency child care scheme and we're a small company and we've got a small we've got a health care scheme now as well and actually it's not not a lot of money but I think going back to that point around um you know if you let people have their parental leave and they feel valued by you as an employer and they come back and stay with you it's actually going to work out better for you in many ways. Obviously, you've got loyalty, you've got a happy workforce, but also financially, because I know businesses will look at the bottom line and that's quite often what they're thinking about. But the reality is if you retain staff, that's going to be better off for you because if you lose people, the cost of, you know, rehiring, you know, reinvesting in new people costs a lot more, right? So you're better off nurturing and supporting and really valuing your staff and, and with the view that they'll stay with you long term. Yes. And Heather, you know, I agree with you. This isn't about, you know, the big, the big flagship names in the world doing this. Um, you know, when I, when I started my family, I was with a, a UK based employer, much smaller. And um, I, I was in a, at the time when I went on maternity, I was in a high demanding sales role. 
And once I'd had, you know, my my first child, I didn't want to go back to that road-based, um, high-demanding sales role. Mm. And at a time when none of this was being talked about, uh, they, they gave me a flexible role. They created another senior role that made the best use of my talents whilst allowing me to, 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 to balance the new family and work in a way that made me happy. And, you know, to this day, I look back on that and think that was that, was that leadership's decision to actively encourage that. That's critical to, to my having stayed in, in the workforce mm. and, and continuing to stay working you know, throughout, you know, that, that critical juncture, which is quite overwhelming for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I've done the same also for my staff is when they've been pregnant, you know, things change, you know, you kind of don't necessarily want to do the same role that you were doing for whatever reason, like it's travel or it's more pressurized. You have to use your brain more and your brain slows down. because It's trying to build a baby. Um, and, And absolutely, you know, that has supported staff to move around. So again, if you're a woman in this situation, don't be afraid to think about other roles that you might be able to step into and rather than think it's game over. Um, so to speak do you know something that I really encourage people to say it doesn't matter if you take your foot off the gas for a little period of time mm. all right it, we're not running a race here we're not this is not a sprint this is a marathon you know your career we're going to live for longer we're going to work for longer we're going to have to retrain uh, yeah. you know as this rate of innovation continues to you know change our world um, and 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 the key is well if for a period of time you just need to step back a little bit. Do so. Do so. Allow, give yourself that option. Yeah. And, you know, what is what I am so proud of and, you know, blown away is, is the amount of people that are bold enough to change career right now. I mean, that's what we do with supermums, right? You know, we have to educate them. Um, you know, we've got people coming going, oh, what's this career in Salesforce? You know, is it something I can do? And our role really is to kind of give them enough confidence and information to kind of take that massive leap of faith and go, deep breath okay I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna retrain and it's you know it's no longer you know our parents were in a career for life quite a lot of the time they they, you know there wasn't that change you know changing careers traditionally was there whereas now like say you can pause then you can reinvent yourself and come back as something completely new and build another career like we have got you have kids at 30 40 you've got another 30 plus years haven't you let's face it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I, this is something I used to talk about quite a lot. We will be reskilling all of us. Mm-hmm. And we will constantly having to retrain ourselves in modular on demand based learning. Um, and we need to get used to it. I mean, that's the future. So it's, mm-hmm. and, and for the people who get that, it's hugely exciting. And as you say, the opportunity is huge. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I always say to people with Salesforce careers as well, is that you're always learning. You have to adopt that lifelong learning. Like it isn't just, oh, I've done a course and that's it. I'm I'm off we go. You know, it's this lifelong learning. Let's talk about another key big topic, I suppose. And what do you think? I mean, we're all remote working. I have been now for over a year because of the, the situation. Do you think things will go back to normal? Do you think pe- companies will want people back in the workplace um, to the same level? You know, what do you think is going to happen around this remote working approach going forward? Well, I can speak to myself and how I personally feel working remotely. And I can, and, and obviously I have a bit of a, a wider lens given the market I work in. Um, do I think we will go back to full time in the office um, forever? No. Um, I, I think we will start to see just even just from an environmental perspective and a, and a, 
real estate perspective, you know, companies have just seen massive savings in, you know, keeping their real estate footprint small and their tea and, you know, their travel and expenditure budgets have suddenly plummeted as well. Mm. Um, so I think we will move to a hybrid model. Um, what level of hybrid, I think, will depend on your role and your seniority and where you work and what sort of role you do. Um, but do I think in-office interaction and in-person interaction is still important? I, I think it is. I think for there to be culture, teamwork, innovation, you know, we're still humans and we've all coped phenomenally well and technology has enabled us to, to, to interact with each other. But let's be really clear, sitting in front of a screen and interacting via video for 10 hours a day is not how we thrive as humans, right? We, mm. you know, it's not, it's not healthy, actually. And I don't know about you, but I will step away from a day's work and I'm drained mm. in a way that I simply wasn't when I was in person interacting. That's so true. Um, we have gone to where's Wally. Sit there all day and you just move around in your house. No, don't get me wrong. I think it's phenomenal that technology has enabled this. Do I think it's sustainable? No. And I think we will see ourselves moving. And I think it's largely accepted to a more hybrid model, um, which I think is, is actually great news as we look at moving the dial on diversity and talent planning, because suddenly you open up a whole new portfolio of talent where you're hiring from, demographics, where are they based, um, in a way that we weren't able to before. So it's a, it's a real opportunity to maximise that diverse hiring capability. Yeah, it's interesting. And, it, it you know, I think going back to, I mean, I've spoken to companies and something our champion as part of Supermoms about, you know, why not adopt remote working and more flexibility? What is the barrier to that? And, you know, it's hard to necessarily draw out exactly what those reasons are, but I think we generally know them that, you know, there's a trust thing, there's a social team culture thing, like you say, everybody wants to be in the office or chatting to each other. And I think because we've moved to this place where remote working has to be set up, I think there's a way making sure that that is sustainable, where we've just had a podcast episode about performing in home working environment, you know, making sure that you're doing the social interaction still making sure that you take times for a walk and making sure that, you know, how to demonstrate that you're performing in the workplace. There's a good way to do remote working and a really bad way to do remote working. And I think if it's going to continue and even in a hybrid role, there's a careful balance there. And I was the same in that I, I wanted always to have like a hybrid company, have an office in London and have some stuff that work remotely. And it wasn't easy to get that balance right because, you know, you'd have people in the office having their chats and then people at home who weren't necessarily felt part of it. And it is, it's not, you can't flick a switch and go, we're going to work like this and it'll be fine. There's really careful thought process that has to be put in place to say, how do we make this feel inclusive, fun, exciting for everybody who, where there's a hybrid model. And like you say, if they can't, you know, if you've got a remote working base and they can't go out for drinks, how do you inject that kind of social interaction between people in different ways? So it, it really needs a carefully thought strategy. Maybe that's another podcast topic <laughs> coming soon does. to you. <laughs> I think employee engagement and I think continued employee engagement will, will become even bigger. Yeah, yeah. No, it's another topic. So, right. So final question, just about you. Um, and I love the fact that I can't, people can't see you on the podcast, but you have a superhero wallpaper behind you. And I just love that. <laughs> I want that with Wonder Woman. Like she's my idol. Like she's my positive mantra. Like as a working parent, what makes you feel like a super mom and a superhero? 
So before I answer the question, I think it's only fair that what I, I tell everybody listening what is actually on my wall. And <laughs> growing up, I was a huge Marvel Avengers fan. So uh, and my home office is basically a wall of the Avengers. I love that. It's become the talking point. And I'm very memorable now on video when people <laughs> is the bonus. But, you know, what makes me feel like a super mum? And, and I'm going to be really bluntly honest and say, I don't think I've ever felt like one. And the reason I say that is, and I think a lot of parents and women specifically, this may resonate. There are times I feel too stretched. Um, there are times I feel guilt at not making school events. I am that mum that is not picking my kids up from school. I am the mum that is mix missing, you know, the cricket and the rugby fixtures. I'm tired. So I come home and I'm crabby sometimes with my children. And, you know, I wonder if I've got my priorities right, because the reality is I am ambitious. And yes, I've had children, but my career ambitions have continued. Um, and so that's tough, right? That's a lot of feeling to sort of juggle in amongst a job. Um, what makes me feel great and what lifts me and, and says, actually, you're on the right track. My kids tell me they're proud of me. They tell me they're proud of the things I'm achieving um of, of what I'm doing and 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 that's great you know obviously when your kids tell you that of course it lifts you yeah. but also the the part that I think is it, it lifts me is the amount of women I get who will turn to me for mentoring and ostensibly they might say they want mentoring to go for a promotion or or presenting um but a lot of conversations turn around back to how have you made it work you know you've got children how have you done it um so I kind of really carry in myself this sense of, you know, I want to help other women find out what that balance and that and that that looks like for them. Because as uh, Marion Edelman famously said, you can't be what you can't see. So I kind of carry that with me to, to sort of negate the guilt that is forever pervasive at the back of my mind, I suppose. Yeah, but Dal, be be kind to yourself. I mean, I think I think you've got to reflect inward and everybody has is like, what is the right balance for you? you know at the end of the day don't benchmark yourself to anybody else you've got to be happy with your right you know the balance haven't you and be like okay you know I'm fine with this balance and I feel like I'm giving my kids and I think you know working parents you're always going to be working and there's things that you know you won't be able to do when you're working because you're not 100% with the kids but it's finding that right balance for anybody and I think that's what you know my final imparting words to anybody is to find that balance that's right for you and to feel like a super mum sat in that proudly rather than compare yourself to anybody else and you know beat yourself up about oh I'm not doing xyz like if that makes you feel like the mum that you want to be and your kids are happy with that and you feel like you've got a good relationship with them then that's what a mum on cloud nine is right <laughs> yeah and I suppose my parting words would be to anyone figuring out how to navigate this don't be afraid to ask others around you how they're doing it you know Absolutely. and don't be afraid to sort of lean in on your network and just be just be honest and say I don't I don't have it all and how do you figure xyz out because there's just a lot of us who can share and help and lift one another absolutely absolutely and I did a fantastic leadership course with um, a lady called Kate Byers she was on one of my previous podcasts um, but it was about you know being a, an executive or leadership 
a woman in a leadership role but getting that balance with life and that just really changed things for me in terms of like really going right what is it that I need to do and and really motivated me to make some shifts um so absolutely lean on people lean on coaches you know get that support network and don't just sit there (laughs) sort of stuck in a rut um around that so brilliant it's been fantastic to have you here today Dal thank you so much for sharing your experiences and some really really great advice in there and um you know as employers and employees please do reflect on some of the things we've talked about today and try and find the right balance for you and hopefully you know your employer will be a great and supportive workplace for you if you like the show today please do um rate and review it on itunes and we look forward to seeing you next week for the next podcast show thank you very much speak again soon thanks dal thank you heather Mums on Cloud9 is kindly sponsored by RB in partnership with Empath. 